so welcome <laughs> to Series 6. Nearly burst my eardrums. Oh, so sorry. So welcome to our weekly podcast of Womankind Collective with me, Lou Hawkins-Thompson. And me, Jinty Sheeran. So join us as we embark on a fun and educational journey, talking to experts and advocates on subjects that are often taboo. So get the kettle on and settle in for a chat and probably a lot of laughter along the way. We hit the ground running this series with the wonderful Dr. Ginny Mansberg, who chats with us about hormones, menopause and skin. We discuss eczema, rosacea, acne and find out why our skin drops a little as we age. And we ask, is there anything we can do to make the most of our skin that we have? We talk collagen supplements, nutrition and HRT. We ask, can synthetic progestin give you acne? And with so many menopause skin brands out there, Dr. Ginny tells us what to avoid and what to look for in a great skin product. Our hormones don't only affect our skin, of course. What about our vaginas? Dr. Ginny explains how menopause impacts our vaginas and vulvas. We go deep into pH levels and discuss the importance of seeking treatment sooner rather than later. We have a brilliant brand new book for our book club. Yes, this series book collective uh, are reading Rebel Bodies by Sarah Graham. And today we will be discussing the first chapter, uh, The Personal is Political. We will be announcing a new feature to the series, an alternative to the Foodie Collective, and find out how we got on with our WI that we set in December. Do you remember what it was and did you try it? And finally, we have a quote for the week. Um, so we've had we had some great comments, didn't we, Lou, on the last episode um, of Series Five with Victoria Hardy? Oh, the lovely Ginge Dunhinge. Yeah, some really positive comments. They all loved her. Yeah, they did. Who wouldn't? So lots of us told you how much you enjoyed it and how helpful Ginge um, and Hinge. I keep I'm going to call her Victoria. Was <laughs> particularly the chat about mindfulness. And we'll be talking to Victoria again when her book comes out. And we'll make sure she doesn't sound like she's been locked, like we locked her in a box. We did. Apologies if we you never put anyone in a well. box. And we we no, don't put anyone in a corner. No, we certainly don't. <laughs> um, so anyway, Lou, how has your week been? Oh, it's, you know what? I've just been a bit furious this week. There's been a lot to be furious there about, hasn't there? There's been an the news. awful lot to be furious mm. about. Um, the Met, Met Police, I mean, we can't not go and talk about that absolute monster. Yeah. Um, 71, I believe the last count was 71 um, counts of assault and rape on 12 women, the abuse and the torture. And not only did he do these horrific, horrific things to them, he then, I'm going to say, he pissed on them afterwards. And I just think this is a serving Met Police officer who... Actually, at the time when he um, started his, his training, he was under investigation then. Yeah. And they still let him in. And so this is, what was his name again, Lou? Have you got David that? Carrick. That's right. 48. Yeah. That's just been... Um, Who thought he was untouchable. Put, yeah, he did. And it's a, horrific. Of, yeah. Absolutely horrific. And it's sh it shocked many. We've had many messages from um, about him as well and domestic violence from um, our Instagram page and our listeners, which... It's just, it's triggering, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So, yeah, Lou, I think it was a police commissioner, forgive me, can't remember his name, mm -hmm. that said how surprised he was um, and that they were sorry. Well, I, 
I'm sorry, but then neither of those things are true or enough. I mean, how can he be surprised? They knew. They the knew. news has come out today. So when you listen to this, it will be a few days old that Cressida Dick, when they actually got rid of her or she resigned, the news has come out today. She resigned because she actually knew about this. She wow. knew this was happening and didn't do anything. But she knew. So how can he just bareface lie and say that he's he's surprised? Um, and sorry just doesn't cut it. They've had Sarah Everard. We talked about this when we first started our post- podcast nearly two years ago. We did. And yet this is still... It's still, we are still having He's, conversations about... still saying, about, sorry. Yeah, sorry. It ain't good enough, is sorry it, Sorry is not enough. These are the people that we look to when we're at our most vulnerable, our most hurt, and we need protection. Yeah. You, oh. They have to be absolutely above everything. Yeah. We, we need to feel safe. And not only do you not feel safe, you do not feel you can go and tell anybody if something's happened. Because if you can't you no tell voice. somebody in the police, who the fuck can you tell? I don't know. I mean, this this bloke, 2003 to 2020, till it, till one really bold woman reported him. Brave woman. I mean... He it says in the, on the BBC um, it says he can he control what they wore, what they ate, where they slept, <clears throat> even stopped some some of them speaking to their own children. He trapped them. He held them in downstairs cupboards. I mean, seventeen years, Lou. How he was it? allowed to get away yeah. with it. He was known to them and he got was. away with it. He was yeah. And I think that as I think as as it progresses, I think we'll be talking more about that case as well unfortunately it seems it's all talk it we need more more action we certainly do less, need action yeah yeah. Um, yeah on a different note gents yes um can we talk rishi sunak our, okay. our unelected prime, prime minister. minister so i mean this was a couple of weeks ago but he has got a brilliant idea or so he thinks it's brilliant fantastic idea for the idea of compulsory maths in the UK in, in oh, England yes. to the age of 18 I mean in vocational subjects that I used to teach um, like an apprenticeship they you have to complete a functional skills level one and two if you don't get to a GCSE grade maths grade an English grade of a C or it's a four now what is happening to why why is he pushing maths why is it we're not thinking about the arts, the creatives, the the ones that that, that can't do the academic mm. stuff, you know, the manual workers, all the things that, that we need in this country to make it a better place. It's not all about maths, you know, and I, I just think rather than going on about maths, what, I don't know, but I would think actually schools are, are pretty much failing anyway, and that's, it's not They're the teachers, underfunded. It's, They've it's, been it's the government that, underfunded that's put years. the pressure on them. Mm. You know, I think, I, I think they need life teaching, mm. how to open a bank account, what's a mortgage, cost of living crisis, you know, bring, I think as well, you need to bring back compulsory home economics, if nothing else, to teach them how to cook yes, nutritious. Yes, not just for girls. No, like it used to be. Nutritious, low, you know, low, low money food from scratch. And and also about consent and and all of the, everything that's going on at the moment and the Me Too movement, that's what we need to be teaching everyone at school. Not bloody maths. They're just out of touch. Completely out of touch. Completely out of touch. Anyway, on that note, babbling on Ooh, here. Yes, carry on. <clears throat> I have a little maths question. I have a Rishi. 
Mm. Maths question for you, gents. Okay, are you okay. ready? I am ready. I, just to warn you, I was never very good at maths. <laughs> Me either. That's why we're creative. That's <laughs> yes. why we're sat here talking shite. Okay, <laughs> not getting paid for it. Maybe that's that's what it's. Maybe we do Maybe need to do maths. We need to we need to study the economy a little bit more. Business. So okay, so a shop sells two brands of battery. Okay, and I thought okay. battery could be for your bi- vibrator if you haven't got it from Joe Divine. Yes, that's chargeable. Okay, so brand A powers a toy for five hours. I'm going to say a vibrator for five hours. It's a toy, a sex toy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is sold in packs of eight for £3.60. Brand B battery powers the same toy for five and a half hours and sells in packs of six for £2.95. So what brand would you say is better value? Brand A or brand B? A. See, this is why I love you, gents, because that's completely wrong. It's brand B. <laughs> I just guessed. You lost me. You lost me at Do you know what? A and I, B. I can see. I, I, can, I haven't even got my glasses on. I'm looking at her over the desk and she, her eyes glazed. <laughs> I was completely fucking bored, to be honest. Apart from the sex toy bit. <laughs> yeah, it's that, that, that perked you up a bit, didn't it? <laughs> I, do, the, the, I rely now on, you know, uh, when you buy something and in brackets it says, you know, one pound per hundred gram. Me too. 50p. So p- hopefully in those batteries and bracket, <laughs> brackets in the shop. It'll say how many hours each one's running yes. for. Interesting. Interesting. We can't all be Carol Vordermans, can we? No. <laughs> and how about you, gents? What's what's been going on? Well, on a, a much lower brow, <laughs> yeah. um, I now who doesn't love the smell of freshly mown grass? Lou? Oh, I love it. Everybody I know loves candles and perfumes, and we always try and imitate this beautiful smell. Well, I was walking on um, a place where we quite often walk. Our dogs. Um, it's called the mare. It's a lot of grass, and they just cut it. And I went down. There. It was so beautiful. And I thought of my gratefulness journey, and I thought I'm going to write down journal rather I'm going to write down freshly cut grass this morning it's so beautiful um and it got me thinking why does it smell what it's such an unusual smell why does it smell so good well I'm gonna do you know why Lou no but I I can't wait I'm on the edge of my seat well you might not like it um so we we know that trees communicate to each other um, via the brilliant uh, fungal network, um, which I didn't realise its nickname, the fungal network under the ground that trees yes, talk yes, to each yeah, other. The biggest um, network in the yes, world. It is called the Wood Wide Web. Oh, I love that. Yes, good, the isn't wood it? Wood Wide Web. Well, it turns out grass can communicate too. Grass sends can send a warning. The smell of freshly mown grass is actually a, a distress signal. Oh, no. I know. Oh, it's, you don't want to cut your grass I now. know. It's awful. It's letting other patches of grass know that the lawnmower is coming so they can send precious sugars from their leaves down to their roots. Oh. So if you start cutting the lawn at one end of your garden, the grass at the far end will smell or hear the alarm and will be already hunkering down before you get there with the mower. Poor Ooh, grass. That's a little bit traumatic for the grass. I know. I haven't got any grass. No. I've only got a gravel courtyard and pots. It does smell nice. Though, You've got grass, haven't you? I've got grass. Yeah. At least you're not murdering it. Your husband is. Well, at least I haven't taken it all up and put a load of, you know, astroturf down. Oh, no. <clears throat> no. So, yeah, there you go. Next oh. time you smell the grass, um, have a little think about that. Well, that's put a, put a Kai wash or Kai wash or I'm whatever. I'm sorry, it yes, it might spoil your enjoyment <laughs> of the grass smelling. 
you'll be stroking it. Oh, oh it's all right. right. Yeah, you'll I'll grow be, back. I'll be the crazy lady with the dog <laughs> stroking the grass now, you won't will. I? <laughs> Dr. Ginny Mansberg has been a GP for almost 30 years. Her practice is in Sydney, Australia. Dr. Ginny has appeared on Embarrassing Bodies Down Under as an expert, I might add, giving advice on various radio stations and magazines. As a GP, she has a special interest in menopause and is the author of the best-selling book, The M Word, How to Thrive in Menopause. There it is, if you're watching on YouTube. (laughs) Dr. Ginny also started Don't Sweat It to help menopausal women thrive in the workplace. And I saw this morning she has a a retreat coming up. We'll talk talk about that that later. later. Now, as if that is not enough, Dr. Ginny has enjoyed a career in medical journalism and started her own skincare company, Evidence Skin, or ESK, E-S-K, where she is still... There it is again. There it is again. It's amazing. (laughs) It is. Where she is still a medical director. Now, we get asked so many questions um, regarding skin changes and skin problems worsening in menopause, so we thought, who better to ask? than a specialist in both. We've got a two, two for one today. Yes. Dr. Ginny, thank you. Hello. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, guys. And it's 7.30, did you say, over in Australia? Yes, yeah, so we are at the end of the day. It is still very light here. And as soon as we finish chatting, I'm going to go jump in the pool. I am so sorry, but it is very warm. Quickly moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. (laughs) That sounds absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) So anyway, first of all, can you tell us um, a a little bit about how you came to have a special uh, interest in menopause and um, what made you want to write your book, uh, The M Word? So I'm not going to lie. I did not want to write The M Word and um, a publisher (laughs) came to me and said we need someone to write a book about menopause and I was like get lost like well how old do you think I am oh wait I'm 50 okay I get that I had actually had not a great experience publishing um in my like the previous two books and I had just like you know when you make that promise to yourself never ever ever again but I kind of something had been happening around the time that the publishers came to me and I'm lucky enough to host like this educational podcast for doctors here in Australia and every time we would do something on menopause all I could think of is I don't know anything about this and that's insane because my patients need to know I'm letting them down I'm giving them like bad 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 advice And I was starting to think that I needed to do some massive upskilling. So I'd kind of joined the Australian, uh, the Australasian Menopause Society and the International Menopause Society. And then it sort of came the opportunity to write the book. And I thought, you know what, this will make a difference to women's lives. And it has. It's just been, I I get emails that just are both heartbreaking and heartwarming um, because it's not a really well handled um, subject, particularly outside the UK. I think there's the UK and then there's the rest of the world. And you guys do it well. We do it terribly here, really badly, like the rest of the world. Yeah, we, we're getting there, I think. It's just it's yeah. just it's snowballing, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's, that's, <clears throat> yeah, that's key. A lot of voices, but isn't it, there? Yeah, but it's mad, isn't it, that it takes... Um, you know, a book for some for some of us, it's a book reading something or maybe seeing you or listening to one of your podcasts that takes that. Oh, gosh, that's that's me. What about mm. your own menopause? So you were 50. Did you did you had you struggled a little? So I'm 54 
And I would say I'm in hardcore kind of perimenopause, but I'm still in that straw minus two. So I'm not yet at straw minus one where I'm sort of, I don't know if you guys are all over the straw stages of women's reproductive life, but um, menopause is a single day that happens 12 months, kind of in retrospect, you know when it is, Mm -hmm. that um, in 12 months from your last period. And that's the day of menopause. Everything after that is post-menopause. The lead up to that is either your normal reproductive life or perimenopause, and there are two phases of that. The first phase where you really stop ovulating very effectively, but you have low progesterone, but sometimes very high estrogen and some sometimes very low estrogen. So you've just got this all over the place kind mm-hmm. of estrogen, but your progesterone is low. And if you do ovulate, it's fairly sporadic, but your chance of getting pregnant then are pretty zero. And then you start skipping periods and your estrogen starts to fall as well. So that's what we call straw minus one. I am not there yet. Um, my journey has actually been okay. I had I had the flood. So I was the one in four women that had the, un, you know, abomination of periods. Mm-hmm. And so I just went not long, about six weeks ago and had a polyp removed. So I had that diagnosed. I've had another marina put in. And at 54, I have no idea when this is all going to happen, when I'm actually going to go into menopause <laughs> proper. I think my mum was 56. So I'm kind of thinking it'll be around then. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, sorry, to going off our topic of skin a little bit, but the marina can help with heavy bleeding, can't it? Oil? It can. And I had a marina in when I was just bleeding, mm. you know, for Australia. So, and became very iron deficient. So, um, it turns out that there was a polyp in there and um, my gyno had to remove that. And she just, my Moreno was only two years old, but she just pulled out another one in, yeah. in, the, in that operation. Yeah. So we get asked quite a lot about skin changes in menopause. And we're going to come to specifics, specifics. I can't even speak. So it's very early in the morning. Specifics. Specifics in a moment. But first, can you explain in, t- in simple terms what is happening in menopause that affects our skin so much generally and not just on our face either? So I guess you need to understand what estrogen does to then understand what happens when you start to lose your estrogen. And so it your estrogen is, helps you build collagen and elastin. And all of us want more collagen and elastin in our lives because it like keeps our skin nice and healthy and bouncy and thick and unwrinkled. Um, but it does other things as well. So it stops your skin from naturally breaking down the collagen, which it does tend to do. There are these particular enzymes that live in your skin. I really wish, you know, that they didn't exist, but they do and they break down collagen. They are um, turned off by estrogen and allowed to sort of let rip uh, when you have no estrogen. Your estrogen also supports the skin barrier, so your skin gets much drier. Uh, the skin also, uh, estrogen also allows um, a lower pH on the skin. Uh, so the pH is, I don't want to traumatize anybody with high school science sort of going back there, but if you remember, it's that number that allocates sort of acidity or mm. alkaline status to everything from an orange juice to a car battery to the inside of a vagina to, to your skin. So it actually, we are quite acidic on our skin, um, but your skin drifts towards alkaline after estrogen. Now that's all driven by bacteria, the microbiome of your skin it actually makes acid when you were younger and it stops making acid so much when you have less estrogen so all of these things conspire you do get a, a, an uptick in rosacea and we don't think that rosacea is caused necessarily by um, going into menopause and it's certainly not held off by estrogen but it tends to come on in midlife around the time when most women are going through menopause so what you see is 
according to studies that we've got out of Europe, about 32% of women will report that they have sensitive skin. And we can incorporate into that group of women who have rosacea because most women with rosacea just have terribly uh, sensitive skin. But also you lose your collagen and elastin. So within the first five years after menopause, you lose 30% of your collagen. Boom, gone. Wow. And then you continue to lose 2% a year more for the next 20, 20 years. That's so. Huge. It is huge. And yeah. I don't know whether anybody wants to have HRT. You can't have it just to keep your skin young. But if you're having it to sort of manage your bone health or if you're having it to manage your aches and pains or your hot flushes or your night sweats or even your mood swings, because we now know that moods you know, really respond well to HRT, then we can throw in better skin for free, which is kind of a bargain. Excuse my dog. He's very rude and dandy. <laughs> we love we love a dog. Very needy, especially needy dogs. So with Roatia, yes. when you said about, is that anything to do with the um, acidity or the um, pH changing on the skin? No. So okay. there are two forms of rosacea. The flushing rosacea. So that's when you just go red. Like it's so embarrassing. You go out, you have a cup of tea, you get all the steam all over your face and then turn into a beetroot yourself. Or you go out into the sun and all of a sudden you just have this embarrassing flush. And it's right. not just rosy cheeks, it's horrific. Um, and it's very sensitive and very irritated. Like you do want to claw off your face. But mm. the other thing is you, of course, there's a form of, um, of uh, rosacea called pustular rosacea. And you, it's like going back to um, adolescence, you get these little pimples, but they don't go on your T-zones that you used to get as a teenager. They just go sort of right across the face. Oh. They often go into the eyes as well. So a lot of women with rosacea who then get very itchy, um, sensitive eyes, that's often rosacea as well. So, yes, that's a, a, a big risk that happens around menopause. Okay. So and talking of, of other conditions that, that happen around um menopause um we've had we get asked quite a lot don't we? we've had quite a well i say quite a few at least a handful of of women that have asked us about eczema mm. um and they've either had eczema as a child and it's come back again with menopause some of them it's seemed they they're blaming their hrt that it's come back with but they're they're weighing up the benefits and the risks um and also acne um, has come back especially if they've had it in their teens is that something that you've found yeah so um, if we break those two down if we look at eczema specifically so eczema seems to be a disorder of the skin barrier and one of the main building blocks of your skin barrier is a fat called a ceramide I don't know if you guys have heard of ceramides but they mm. are these specific fats that go into the building blocks and they are you're meant to have you know how like you're with your skin, with your microbiome in your gut, we now know you need to have a wide variety of sort of bugs mm -hmm. in your guts to really maintain a healthy gut garden. It's the same thing with your skin and the ceramides. You need a wide variety. People with eczema genetically don't make a wide variety of ceramides. But ceramides is another thing that's turbocharged by estrogen. So what happens to a lot of people who get um, eczema is that their skin dries out. The pH goes up, which we know is something that can happen with eczema anyway, and it can just tip them over into getting a condition that they've had all their life, but estrogen kind of kept it at bay while, you know, during most of their adulthood. In terms of the acne, that's a really interesting one because what happens when you don't ovulate is the way your body makes progesterone, which is the ovulation hormone. 
uh, after the egg has gone off to make the sperm that strains and make you a little baby, uh, what was left of the little follicle, the little bubble that grew the egg inside it, uh, that actually turns into a progesterone producing factory that actually spits out progesterone in the second half of the cycle Whoa. until it, yeah, so, so if you don't ovulate, you don't have progesterone. So that's, and, and that's really significant because progesterone is a calming hormone. It's a sedative. It helps you sleep. That's why so many women in perimenopause get horrible anxiety is because they don't have progesterone, but they've been turbocharged by the estrogen. The thing that the way your corpus callosum, which is the leftover of that little follicle, makes progesterone is it takes your testosterone, which is made by both the ovaries, but also by your adrenal glands. And all women have testosterone, but it takes that testosterone, it puts it through the factory and spits it out as progesterone. Now, if that ovulation is not happening and you don't have a decent little progesterone factory, not only do you not get the progesterone, but you get a build up of androgens or male hormones and particularly some of them from the adrenal glands are very much associated with acne so that is a peri thing it's very very much a perimenopausal thing where a lot of women will get an acne flare particularly if they've had it before so in terms of the hrt in theory with everything i've just told you if you think about it your eczema should get better mm-hmm. on hrt if it doesn't i'm wondering whether it's the wrong hrt for you um, and in terms of the acne, that's a little bit more fraught because um, HRT can trigger ex- uh, can trigger acne for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm just wondering because I had um, adult acne as a, nothing to do with menopause, but it was after I had uh, my my second child, and I was sure it was down to either too much or too let less too little of. Um, synthetic progestone because I was on the marina coil Mm. and my hormones were up and down like you say so it's would you say if if somebody's maybe on progestin the synthetic it might be quite different on their skin than the progesterone the more natural body identical progesterone yeah so so that's I mean it's the same thing with mood issues because a lot of women experience terrible mood issues on the pill and a lot of them will get dismissed by their doctors but the reality is those synthetic progesterone um, or progestins often will sit on the glucocorticoid receptor so that's your steroid receptor so if anyone's ever had an eczema thing and they've had a steroid cream or they've had an asthma product and you have a steroid puffer your steroids naturally are made by your adrenal glands and they're anti-inflammatory and they do amazing things but if they continuously pumped out of your adrenal glands one of the side effects is thinning skin and one of the side effects is depression and we know that some progestins will sit on the glucocorticoid receptors and give a whole lot of side effects one of which is it can be acne not in all women it's a very Mm -hmm. genetic thing and we hey you know if it happens to you it happens to you take it seriously it does you just need to have the body identical stuff and if you get the mood issues on the pill because we don't have body identical pills yet we've got it in hrt we don't have it in the pill it is kind of weird it is mad but if it happens to you I I get very frustrated because women are often told by their doctor no you don't have moodiness because of the pill you're just depressed anyway and there are women who know for sure they start the pill they get depressed they come off the pill their depression goes away what do you think is going on there like obviously it's not rocket science is it it's not rocket science exactly and it's nearly always the progestin It's very rarely the estrogen that causes that sort of problem. And unfortunately, it's your progestin that also causes your acne. And so as a result, um, if you don't need to have progesterone, you wouldn't have it as part of your HRT. But if you have a uterus and we give you estrogen, 
and we don't give you some kind of progesterone, there's a risk that we give you uterus cancer. Sad. But um, for women who've had a hysterectomy, happy days. Don't even talk about progesterones. Don't need them. Don't worry about it. But if you have had, if you've not had a, a hysterectomy, unfortunately, we've got to give it to you. And it's just a matter of finding the best one for you. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you, Ginty. I, in my experience, those body identical progesterones, they just don't cause the same no. problems on so many levels. Um, and I would really very rarely prescribe anything else. Very rarely. Mm -hmm. The only time I do is that there are some uh, women in perimenopause who want to take a hormone replacement therapy, particularly for um, mood swings, and they are getting a lot of breakthrough bleeding if we give them a continuous regimen and we need to give them a cyclical regimen. And sometimes we use other progesterones in those cyclical regimens because yeah. it's difficult to manage with a body identical progesterone. Yeah, this is why you need a menopause specialist, isn't it? In in you know because you, you need a more individualized, as you say, what works for one person may not work for another. This is what I've found because I find that you know with something like managing blood pressure, every GP gets the same guidelines. You try this drug, that doesn't work. You try that drug, that what doesn't work. You add that drug. Mm. It's really, everybody goes on the same diet. It's very simple. Anybody can do it. Menopause is not like that. No. I would. I only see new patients for menopause. I don't see new patients for any other part of general practice. And I would very rarely go through a day seeing two patients that are the same. As you know, there are 30 different yeah. symptoms that are associated with menopause. And even if women have similar symptoms to each other, they're often not as bothered by them. Some women will be really bothered by their skin. Some women, it's just all about the brain fog. For some women, it's all about their low libido. You need to listen when you're doing a menopause consultation because if you don't listen, you're not going to get, you're not going to meet the needs of your patient. Yeah. Just go slightly off topic. So menopause care and clinics, how how is that in Australia? It's a little fragmented. Um, all of a sudden our government has just worked out that it needs to um, start menopause hubs. But we've got a capacity constraint issue, which is the same as the UK. So in the UK, we've got GPs leaving the system in droves, being completely over the NHS, all suffering from burnout and depression. And I don't know, I read a cover story on The Economist this week just about general practice in Britain and went, oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> so that's happening here. Um, I have to say that for me, getting involved in the menopause world just that was the thing that I needed to just turbocharge my batteries. I love it. I love being able to help people. It is the best thing I have ever done for my career. I finally found that Joie de Reeve that was really disappearing like so many other um, experts. But it is fragmented in terms of care. Um, not a lot of gynecologists know anything about um, menopause. Not a lot of endocrinologists know a lot of stuff about menopause. Um, you have to join a menopause society and actively partake of the you know, self-directed learning. You have to join uh, tonight at one in the morning. There is an amazing um, a webinar that I'm going to attend from the European Menopause Society about sleep and menopause. You, you need to be incredibly motivated to understand stuff about about menopause um, because yeah. it's it's not easy to find. But I think, as you say, how how lovely to be able to feel as a GP that you can actually help people you know, you you see it a few months later, how you've changed somebody, how you can change somebody's life. Sometimes quite simply, you know, by tweaking tweaking some of the HRT or putting them on HRT, you know, and, and it really changes a woman's life, doesn't it? It really, really, really does. And um, 
of course, you know, most women that I see for a menopause consultation, very few just go, well, listen, if you can fix my brain fog, I'm happy. I'm out of here. See you later. <laughs> um, most of them have got a list as long as your arm and, and, you know, we can't fix everything. And, you know, the closest thing that we have to catch all is, is hormone replacement therapy, but that's not suitable for every woman. Not every woman wants it. And um, some women can't have it because they've got breast cancer, for example, or they've had breast cancer in the past. That's just not an option that's available to them. So you need to be able to work with individual women, work out what their priorities are, work with them to work through their different priorities and give them options so that they can choose from a range of different options rather than just having a one size fits all that you yeah. you throw at them because that's just not going to work for anybody. Yeah. No, no, so not at all. Talking of, of, of um different options, nutrition and skin. So, you know, there there is that saying you are what you eat kind of thing. And I remember as a teen, everybody sort of saying, Don't eat chips, don't eat chocolate, really bad for your skin. And um, but how what in in so in menopause, are there any specific things we should be avoiding um or making sure that we are definitely including in our diet um that may help any of those conditions we spoke about earlier or just generally aging? Um, and maybe even supplements, like, for instance, we talked about collagen earlier on. So let's just debug the collagen thing right now. Um, If you understand any biochemistry, which, again, I don't want to traumatise anybody and drag them too far back to their high school days, but (laughs) if you remember, you eat foods and they go travel through your guts where they make these things called enzymes that break them all down into their smallest components until they get to the part of the guts that they can actually be absorbed into your bloodstream. And then your body does the job of, like, putting together these different building blocks and rebuilding the protein. Seems a little inefficient, but you don't absorb entire proteins, and that includes collagen. Um, And we can't make bovine collagen and we can't make marine collagen because we don't have the genes to assemble them. Our genes are our recipe cards. Our recipes give us the recipe for different proteins. And I can't build, you know, blue-lipped muscle collagen because (laughs) I'm not a muscle. Um, I similarly can't rebuild an egg in my body and I can't rebuild a steak. Um, which are all similar amino acids uh, that I'm going to eat. There is some suggestion now that possibly the mechanism is by changing the microbiome of the gut. It's possible. That's a theory. We don't really have any evidence that any collagen supplements work and they're expensive. So I just save you money. But in terms of nutrition, it is really important as you get to um, our age um, because (laughs) our bones are getting a, a, a little bit weaker. And so calcium is really important. And the recommendation is four serves of calcium-rich foods a day for postmenopausal women. And that's a lot of dairy if you like dairy. If you don't like dairy, um, there are other milk substitutes that you can get, but not all of them have calcium in them. So, for example, most of the nut milks don't have calcium in them unless it's been substituted in like a calcium in a pill and it's been added to the milk. Um, You can get a lot of calcium from tofu. You can get it from sardines. You can get it from kippers and um, herrings and anchovies. A lot of people don't like that. So um, I think it is really worthwhile thinking about your bone health because you it's what you do now that will stand you in good stead in 20 years' time. You don't want to lose your bone health then. And I am a bit worried about some of the vegans that are coming through from the current crop of teenagers. Um, and then, of course, you were at increasing risk of dementia. In Australia, dementia is the biggest killer of women, followed by heart disease. And the same diets apply to both. So it's really the Mediterranean diet. Mm-hmm. There's an adaptation of that that's called the MIND diet. Uh, it's got a lot of emphasis on leafy greens. Um, 
bit too much emphasis for leafy greens for my particular palate so <laughs> I'm out on the mind diet but it's uh, but you know there are just generally having a healthy diet is probably a good thing for your mental health it's probably a good thing for your bones and your heart and avoiding strokes and avoiding cancer and all of those other things in terms of your skin no evidence for any of it unfortunately no mm-hmm. not for supplements not for diet Yes, just... But if you look after your bones and your teeth, because I, I know people that have had lots of teeth out and then that because your skin isn't as plump, it seems to sort of hollow out your cheeks, doesn't it? So yeah, it so you've a... also got these, you've got these fat pads that kind of sit here. And actually can go for a bit of a slide down your face and give you those jowls. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> They're oh, yeah. starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so instead of having these nice high cheekbones, which is all given to you by the fat pads that sit on top of the bones here, um, they go they go for a little wander down south. So um, I unfortunately, that. I that doesn't where they help come either. From Ginny, I wonder where mine have come from. So can we talk skincare as well? Ginny. Yeah, of yeah. course, my favorite so, topic. <laughs> I know. So there are an absolute plethora of skin um, care products labeled menopause. We've got loads in the UK. Some of the big brands um, are coming out with their menopause uh, skincare <laughs> range. As far as we can see, they don't have anything that normal sort of anti-aging um, skincare does. Um, so what should we avoid and what should we be looking for when we're buying skincare in, in menopause? It is so tough. So in terms of um, avoidance, the sun's ultraviolet rays, which are not as present in Devon as they are in Sydney right now, <laughs> but they are um, they are still the biggest cause of skin damage, which is why Aussies tend to look a lot older than Brits because we are really exposed to the sun. And it's not just the sun's UVB rays that are there in the middle of the day from sort of 11am to 3pm. They cause your burning and they also cause most of your skin cancers. But the UVA rays are there from sun up to sundown 365 days a year and they cause ageing and they cause pigmentation. So a sunscreen, there is never an age that is too late to start wearing a sunscreen. And if all you're doing is just sort of shuffling quickly from tube station into your work building I don't think you need anything more than SPF 15 the 15 represents the uh, multiple of time you can spend in the sun before burning Mm -hmm. so if you normally burn in 10 minutes you can now spend 150 minutes in the sun before burning so I I, I think that's totally fine but what you do want to see something broad spectrum because broad spectrum means that they've covered you for UVB and UVA rays because the SPF only refers to UVB protection. It doesn't refer to UVA protection because mm. your your government wants to protect you from skin cancer. It doesn't really care if you have a wrinkle. It doesn't worry about that. So broad spectrum on your sunscreen every single day. In terms of, you know, building collagen, because there you're right, there is absolutely no difference between, you know, the accelerated ageing process that happens after menopause and just bog standard ageing that was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. So we do want to build collagen, which we now know we can do. That's not rubbish. We can do that. And it's everything from your vitamin C, but you need to make sure you're using an L-ascorbic acid. It needs to be in the right concentration. So the evidence really sits around some evidence of 5%, mostly at 10%. And you want the chemistry um, should be right. In fact, that was really the vitamin C was what made me um, start ESK skincare because I just couldn't find an evidence-based one. I was trying to look for something with a water and oil emulsion and I wanted a very low pH, which is what the studies suggest is what you need. I couldn't even find anybody telling us what their pH was. 
I wanted an airless opaque bottle so it didn't go off. I didn't want a dropper because that would be exposed to the air and that would, you know, go off. Um, and that's actually why we started um, ESK Skincare in the first place, which is evidence skin. Um, but the the other things that you need is you need your alpha hydroxy acids and your polyhydroxy acids, which definitely do help um, remove some of your dead skin cells, but also seem to help with uh, both pigmentation and with building collagen. And then your blockbuster is definitely vitamin A. Um, so a lot of people know about vitamin A. You can get on prescription from your doctor. Um, and it's great. It, it works. It's got unbelievable evidence for building collagen and improving the skin barrier and a whole lot of things. The problem with prescription vitamin A is that it burns and stings. And when women of menopausal age have got burny, stingy skin anyway, it's just the last <clears> thing <throat> that they want. So again, that was another reason why we started um, ESK Skincare was that we wanted to use retinol, which is your skin, if you use retinol, needs to move your the retinol from retinol to retinol, retinol to retinoic acid. It just loses a lot between the retinol to retinol step. So we wanted to cut that step out mm -hmm. and not use retinol, but use retinol um, so that you're, there was just greater efficiency. And what we've got from studies is where there are head-to-head -head trials between retinol and retinoic acid, the prescription form of vitamin A, they're equally effective both for acne and for anti-aging, but retinol doesn't cause any irritation. Uh, we're not quite sure why that is, but it can even be used by people with rosacea and very sensitive skin, and yet you'll still build collagen at the same time. So uh, retinol, you know, the evidence sits at 0.06 and 0.1%. That's what we've gone with. We've combined it with niacinamide, which is vitamin B3, which is very good for pigmentation, very good for building your skin barrier. Uh, also has some independent anti-wrinkle effects as well. And um, they'd be the big ones that I would say that you need as you get older. And, you know, yes, when you were in your 30s, you could just use a bit of soap and water and a bit of a moisturiser from, from the supermarket, mm. from Tesco, but not anymore. Is is retinol or retinol um, a, a form of vitamin A then, did I gather from what? Yeah. Ah, yeah, okay. so, so retinol is a derivative of vitamin A that is two steps away from the prescription stuff. So it needs right. to be converted in your skin to retinol. And then from retinol, it will be um, converted to retinoic acid, which is the prescription stuff. Retinol to retinoic acid is pretty easy. Everybody's skin can do it. But retinol to retinol is difficult. It uh, Not everybody has the enzymes in sufficient numbers. And that's why so much retinol needs to go into a product because it's sort of 20 times less. You, know, you need 20 times more retinol to get the exact amount of retinol that you need. And that gives you the retinol burn because I have to put so much in it because there's a lot of wastage in retinol. So we just, when we were formulating, I didn't want to use a retinol product because retinol, it's a bit old school. We've kind of gone past that now, so we're using retinol. I think as I've got older, it's a bit like diet, isn't it? As you were saying, when you were younger, you could get away with eating chips and Chelsea buns and and fried food and and still, well, I I never could. I, my metabolism, but this one, you could eat anything, couldn't you? I and could. So, and it's a bit like with your skin, as you say, you could use whatever soap. But now, I find because also Ginny, expensive doesn't always mean really good skincare does it no. but but you're we've been using we've been oh, lucky yes. enough to use a bit of yours yeah, we, we, we had some of your samples and we absolutely I honestly love them and my daughters came home at Christmas they, they went what's it, this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, one 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 has gone to Bristol one lot has gone to Bristol another lot's gone to London and I and I've managed to keep the serum because I hid it <laughs> fantastic that's so good we'll send you some more we'll send you some more definitely <laughs> oh it's uh, it oh, is. no really did did like it and it, it, it works 
Well, it does. And I, I think now, you know, when I was younger, I had cupboards full of absolute shit, basically. (laughs) Um, Whereas now I spend the same, but on good products. My my cupboard has got much smaller, you know, three or four products, probably, you know, uh, including a cleanser and a toner is basically, you know, it. I need a toner. You don't need a toner. So, I mean, a toner is a um, yeah, there's nothing in a toner that you need. It doesn't really mean anything in skincare. So it's just a thin, clear liquid and it can do anything. But it's either to sort of, if you don't have a very good cleanser, then you might need a toner to instead of double cleansing. You know, a toner just, it's something you don't need. Um, it's a waste of money. I'll get, so rid get, rid of your toner. I'll get rid of that. Get rid of that. I've got a spritz. The serums. I like that because it wakes my skin up. Yeah, so a spritz is good in that. Putting just hydrating your face and putting right. that on your face does increase the absorption of the actives that you put on afterwards. I would put it to you that you could just, if you wanted to save money and who doesn't in this day and age, yeah. just flick a bit of tap water on your face, just or pat it on. Because as long yeah. as your skin is down, it will absorb the actives in your skincare. And the key is to have actives in your skincare. You know, something that, you know, I think we used to sort of go to the perfume desk of a department store and kind of open it up and smell it and then put a bit on the back of our hand, that's irrelevant. What you want to know, you want to turn it around and look at the ingredient panel because that is what is has got all your information on it. You, you need to know what is in here, what are your actives, and if your skincare is good, they should have everything declared on the website, every ingredient, the pH of your um, skincare, nothing should be hidden from you. And if they're hiding it, why are they hiding it? And if they, I mean, they should give you a money-back guarantee. Because if they don't give you a money-back guarantee, why not? Why are they not doing that for you? Because if they believe in what they're saying and they don't think that you're just going to have a placebo effect, then they should absolutely stand by their products and give you a money-back guarantee. I wouldn't look anybody in the eye and say, I really recommend you use my product, but I don't guarantee it. It doesn't work for you. We'll give you money back. We don't have to give money back very often, but, you know, I, I totally would. Yeah. yeah. And that's interesting what you say about pH because um, I'm, I'm a hairdresser. So I, I do. And I used to teach hairdressing. So I used to talk about pH quite a lot, but you cannot find that in the UK on products at all. So we have it on our website, every single product. We say upfront what the pH is because it's important mm-hmm. um, because we know that if you have an alkaline product on your skin, that is going to disrupt your skin barrier and that yeah. can cause irritation and, and that also can interfere with the absorption of other products. So you really need to make sure that your products are acidic um, and, and including your cleansers because cleansing can really dry out your skin, really strip the oil from your skin. You need the right pH with cleansing. And if you have sensitive skin, only cleanse once a day. So we have studies to suggest you shouldn't be cleansing twice a day. Ah, that's interesting. Mm. Sometimes it's the double cleanse as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and just to pick up on one thing you said just now about the smelling of, of things. When I was younger, again, I used to quite like that you go for the nice smell. Now, I think in menopause, um, and it's not just me because we speak to a lot of women, you, you're so sensitive to smell and noise, for, <laughs> but, but smell. And sometimes I don't want something on my skin that's overly strong but as you say it doesn't give your skin any benefit at all anyway no and a lot of people who do have sensitive skin find themselves reacting to some of the perfumes in products so if you have a look at some of the legacy brands that maybe our mothers used to really splash and splurge on you know some of the french and swiss sort of legacy brands um they were all about the sense but it's not i mean modern skincare 
is not about the scent. Um, you know, no one wants to put something that smells like a foot on their face, but at the same time, you, <laughs> it does not need to smell like a perfume counter either. It probably shouldn't. Yeah. And I suppose perfume, that, that's alcohol, so it's going to dry out your skin anyway, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, alcohol's an interesting one because it, it, it's a preservative. So as long as you don't have too much of it in there, um, you don't want your skincare ingredients, your actives going off either. So a, a small amount of alcohol is fine. Um, it's actually the perfume itself, the chemicals in the perfume itself that cause the irritation as opposed to the alcohol that's used as as a preservative in it. And talking of, um, as we were, pH um, and acidity, um, vulva and vaginal skin. Now there's a lot that the pH changes in our vaginas as well, doesn't it? And estrogen affects um, our vaginas. So vaginal atrophy, what what happens? Is it, I suppose it's a similar thing that's happening all over our skin, isn't it? Yeah, but the, but the vagina is particularly susceptible to it. And that includes the urethra, um, which uh, just sits above the vagina. So a lot of people have real problems with their bladder at this stage of life mm. as well. Um, so what we see is that your vaginal cells really need estrogen to produce mucus and also to sort of grow into nice, fat, plump, healthy cells that don't get torn very easily. If you lack estrogen, uh, there are a number of things that happen. Exactly as you said, Jinty, we definitely see that the pH goes up really because the nature of the bacteria changes. So a premenopausal woman will have sort of 96.4% of the bacteria in her vagina will be lactobacillus and actually produce kind of lactic acid and keep your vagina really, really, we call it the protective acid mantle. Well, there's far fewer lactobacillus in a postmenopausal vagina, so you get a much higher pH. And on top of that, there's less, less estrogen, so you've got thinner cells, they are more prone to tearing and they produce less mucus. So it's actually a drier vagina. Um, I think the thing that really freaks me out about this is if you do get hot flushes, 19 out of 20 women, if you wake them out, they'll go away. You know, if you really don't want to take something for it, fine, it'll eventually go away. I mean, I wouldn't put up with it, but, you know, I can get why some women don't want to. Um, With vaginal problems, what we see is that by age 65, 80% of women are going to have some sort of vaginal symptoms of menopause and they get worse year on year and they will never get better and you will never get your vagina back. And the later we treat you, the less well your vagina responds to that treatment. So to reintroduce estrogen to the vagina 20 years after she's been, you know, really dry as the Sahara Desert, you'll get improvement, don't get me wrong but much less improvement than you would have had had you started this taking treatment properly as soon as it started to happen to you. And it's not just some of my patients are not sexually active. They don't have a partner. They really don't care from that perspective or their partner has prostate cancer. I'm not, it's not only for sex. Mm -hmm. The vagina gets so itchy. It can get stinky bacteria coming out of it. You can have really a lot of urine infections that are, very disabling and very troubling for you and you can feel really dreadful when you have urine infections putting a bit of vagina in the a, a bit of estrogen in the vagina make it does wonders uh, to that tissue as well and prevents urine infections as well so there are a lot of reasons to treat that properly and I get really sad when my patients just don't want to do it I feel yeah. sorry for them. Mm. Yeah. And and there is um, obviously local estrogen, isn't there? So if you've got patients or, or people that don't want to take the you know, general HRT, you don't have to, do you? No. So this is really interesting. 
In some studies, because you'd think that HRT would just turbocharge the vagina and just switch her all back on. In some studies, it doesn't do anything at all. And in fact, we normally do put the estrogen directly into the vagina. So there are two ways of doing it. There's a cream and then there's a pessary. Um, actually, in, in the UK, you guys have a ring as well, which we don't have here in, in um, Australia. But it, it, there are different ways to get that um, estrogen into the vagina that is super easy, which whatever your preference is, we've got a way that we can do it for you. We can vary the dose. If that doesn't work, we can try Prasterone. So that's a product that you guys have in um, the UK. We don't have it yet in Australia, the Prasterone, which is the DHEA, the adrenal precursor to testosterone. We don't have that in Australia, but it's coming and it's a really good alternative to estrogen to women who don't want estrogen. Brilliant. Mm. Okay, because I think it is one of those things, as you say, a lot of people we speak to think they've got thrush. Sometimes they have, but quite often we're not told about uh, vaginal atrophy. We don't know that that's going to happen. So we blame all sorts of other the UTIs, all sorts of other things we're tested for. Um, I think awareness is is one of the key things, isn't it? So some work that was done by Nick Panay in the UK actually showed that only 7% of women in the UK talk to their doctors about it. So 93% of women no. just keep their mouth shut about it. Now, they cannot get help if they don't talk about it. I understand that certainly until now, doctors have been not exactly uh, inviting of that conversation and not always that competent in dealing with it. But we're getting better now. And I think for women... Um, you need to give us a chance because we really can help you. That's an area really, really, really can help you. Yeah. I think it's just talking about it and actually normalizing it, isn't it? It's, it's not it's not to sort of say it in hushed tones as well. It's vaginal atrophy and you have that conversation. And when we we run menopause cafes over here and we, we talk a lot, there's a lot of women talking about it in the room. Well, we tend to bring it up because it's sometimes, it's often something that people don't bring up. Uh, but once you have brought that conversation up, yes, it's, it's it opens, constant, yeah, it opens isn't it? So many doors, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it can change your life. As oh, you okay. said, Ginny, I, I, you know, I, I sort of struggle with it um, on and off because I'm peri, at, like you, sort of <laughs> up, up and down. And it's not, it's not all, all to do with sex. You know, you can't sit down sometimes. You're just uncomfortable. You can't sit still. You're itching, burning. It's just horrible so if if you're listening to this and you've got any of that go and see go find a nice gp and tell them and there is lot, many things you can do um so anything else lou we're going to put lots of oh, yeah we're going to put some link a link to your book um and a link to your um skincare. skincare products on the podcast show notes um so you can read and it's worth going and having a look at that website because you have it's evidence-based so you can read <laughs> as you were saying all the studies all yeah. the studies it's worth this fascinating stuff it isn't is. it it really is where else can people find you Ginny? Oh, I'm so bad at social media. It's like my worst thing. But I'm at Dr. Ginny. So on Instagram, I'm D-R-G-I-N-N-I. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't even know how to find me on Facebook. I think it's Dr. Ginny Mansberg on Facebook. I'm just useless because I'm, yeah, hopeless. But Don't Sweat at Menopause is very, very active on social media. Um, so if you have a look at Don't Sweat at Menopause, that is um, a new company that I started last year with um, one of my best friends um, who has an amazing lived experience of perimenopause. It, she just, it was really a car crash and um, we, <laughs> she got out of it and we said, let's, let's start this thing up. It's really to 
help firms retain midlife women. I mean, the data that came out that uh, 10% of women were quitting work, which did not surprise me at all. But the fact that so many women view their productivity as terrible, they fall off a confidence cliff. They really feel like um, a fraud and, um, and, and firms are losing their best women. And the reality is I think there's a stereotype out there by the male CEOs or the male board members that they'd be dealing with like 67-year-old ladies in a cardigan and so if we lose her, we lose her. This is your 40-year-old women. Yeah, yeah. These are your 50-year-old women. Yeah. They are, they, you cannot afford to lose these ones. Yeah. They are your mentors. But also if they do stay and they're having terrible mood swings, things can be really bad in your office. It can have a terrible cultural effect. So it's really worth getting everybody some help, um, including having some very delicate conversations with some of your colleagues that we help you do. And we're running our first retreat, actually, uh, for yes. menopausal women yeah. just to connect and share uh, on June the 16th, June the 18th in basically paradise. It's in the Whit Sunday Islands of oh. um, uh, Queensland, talcum powder white beaches, you know, turquoise water, warm water. You can swim there all year round. It's actually just perfect. And we're going to be having amazing, you know, beach parties at night. And um, it's not going to be one of those dairy-free, coffee-free, wine-free. Eat greens. You're going to eat kale. Eat (laughs) greens. Yeah, if you want to have your greens, feel free. They'll be a side dish. Um, Mostly it's just, you know, there'll be lots of wine. <laughs> I'm stunned. My kind. Of I know. Retreat. Should we go, Lou? Shall we? Yeah, let's try. <laughs> It'll be lots of amazing connecting with other women going through the same thing and sharing our stories and learning. And then what we want is everybody to spread the love and talk about it. Go back and talk about it because it's really important that we, you know, support the sisterhood here. That sounds absolutely does, perfect. Does sound fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Ginny, it's been wonderful uh, speaking Thank you. to you. Thanks for joining us. So many notes. We're going to look at flights. flights. It takes about 24 hours to get there, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um, Hamilton Island is worth it. And if you stay on for an extra week and just go to the swim-up bar or just, um, you know, hang out by the pool or doing, you know, yoga at the retreat or going and swimming with the um, amazing Great Barrier Reef and having a look at all the colourful fish, you can actually stay on at the conference rate that we've organised for you. So it's a bargain. Oh, that's, that's even so... better, especially when we look out the window and it's great. And, and I wet. haven't had a holiday for three years, so it's time to make up for it. On Come that on over, note, guys. <laughs> yes. And we need to have a drink together, right? We've got to yeah. celebrate. So exactly. Come on over. Exactly. Sounds perfect. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Ginny. Thank you. Well, how good was that, Lou? Thank you, Dr. Ginny. She's That's brilliant. Amazing. How does she keep so much information in oh, her head? Oh, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm, when I've used up all my toner, that's it for toner. I'm Toners, not going to use that no, anymore. That absolutely, that's splashing a, the water on my yeah, face. Yeah, a little bit of water spritz will do the trick. Um, and Dr. Ginny has uh, very generously um, offered a 10% off uh, or a 10% code discount on all her um, ESK products for all our listeners. So the code, if you would like to go over and have a look, is WKC. 10 that's uppercase wkc10 and go over to www.eskcare.com that's www.eskcare.com that's good isn't it we'll put that on the show notes we'll put it on the show notes as well 
So anyway, you've got a nice Christmas present. Have they got I any did. ideas for skincare? Then? Well, they have. So my um, youngest daughter, she she loves a little um, shop in, in a charity shop. So we all got a book as part of our present. And I got lotions and potions, the National Federation of Women's Institute, um, little little handbook made in 1980. And Fantastic. I don't think I'd be using this in 1980. Have they got a skin they have. They've, so they've got skins, they've got piles, they've got everything. So I thought each week I'm just going to go and give you a little... Fantastic little taster, a little, little ta- idea. Well, I don't think you want to taste it. <laughs> so if Dr. Ginny runs out of ideas for face cream, yeah. the Women's Institute Handbook of 1980... She'll be all over it. She's going to be all over this. So if you want to make a face cream, you need two ounces of cold cream, two ounces of white Vaseline, two ounces of lanolin and a teaspoonful of olive oil. And um, it's a really good skincare food, apparently, and it's well tried. So there we go. By, by somebody with very greasy-looking, oily yes. skin. <laughs> yes. And, and next week on oh. this feature, I'm going to be talking cough mixtures, because we've all got a little bit of a cough. Yes. So <laughs> next week we'll be looking at cough mixtures. And um, I think it's, should, they should actually be called vomit mixtures, but um, we'll go yes. into that then. Yes. Um, I will just say we're not actually recommending these uh, lotions yes. and potions, they, but they are. Hashtag don't try this Hashtag, at home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was made in 1980. <clears throat> you need that cough mix. I do you need, need that cough mixture. My snail cough mixture I should be making. Oh, I can't wait. Do they got a vegan snail? No. <laughs> so we have got a brand new book for this week's collective, Lou, haven't we? Oh, we have, and it's good. Absolutely. Rebel Bodies um, by uh, Sarah Graham. And we will be talking to Sarah at the end of this month. So please, if you're whether you're reading along with us or not, if you have any questions or comments on the book, please let us know and we can ask um, any questions you might have to Sarah. How did you get on? So we're going to read a chapter a week. How yeah. did you get on with chapter one, oh, Lou? It got, me, it got me furious already. Yeah, if you're not prepared to get a little bit angry, oh. um, <laughs> you might not want to read it because you just you just realize right the way back from um the ancient greeks isn't it with the word hysteria meaning yes. uterus so we go right back to hippocrates is that what he's called hippocrates i don't know hippocrates you were right yeah um well he started it didn't he the hysteria and it just really goes all the way through doesn't it about how we are put down as women and not listened to at all yeah, yeah, how, definitely. How about you? So, yeah, we, we sort of begin, we begin the, the, the book with a look at how, how little has changed, basically, yes. don't we? Yeah. Um, in 50 years since the second wave of feminists, such yeah. as Jermaine Greer, um, <clears throat> she, she talks about the gains that we have had, such as gender pay gap and legislation, maternity rights, um, which actually on the day we speak, a lot of these rights might be gone because they're voting on a bill today. But anyway, let's keep our fingers crossed they won't be. Um, and in 1991, legal reg- recognition that non-consensual sex in marriage was rape. I repeat, that only changed in 1991. So, so a few things have horrific, got better. It is it? horrific. But, you know, but not much when no. you think that's 50 years. And we are kind of left, we have got this hangover from the wandering womb, as they used to call it, didn't yeah. they? Um, and they used to think that they could um, sort of move our wombs with potpourri. Uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> should be quite oh. a magic trick. I don't know if that, I don't think that's in me lotions and potions book. <laughs> if it's not, it should be. I like, I, I love the quote, um, personal is political, which is what this yes. chapter yes. is, is called. And, and, um, and in, in, on, 
just on page two, Sarah says the title, it's the title of a 1970 Carol Hannish essay, The Personal is Political, highlights the intersection between personal experience and broader socio-political, I'll get my words right in a minute, context. It is, in the words of black feminist scholar Kimberly Williams Crenshaw, the process of recognizing as social and systemic what was formerly perceived as isolated and individual. And this is what this chapter is kind of um, uh, all about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, she talks, she also talks about the father of modern gynecology, who who we actually talked about, which is James Smith Sims, yes. who experimented on black um, enslaved women in the US without and anesthetic. Exactly. So, and we we spoke about the them and the Archer, Lucy and Betsy yeah. being the really the mothers of gynecology. They, are the they were the some of the just only three of the slaves. Didn't bother naming many many of the slaves, but no. they are three of the known slaves, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, health inequalities. Um, she talks about women are three times more likely to die of a heart attack, and black women are four times more likely to die in child in childbirth. Um, so she gives us so many brilliant facts in in this first chapter, um, and I think it's sort of setting out how she's setting a stall out. She's setting yeah, the layout definitely. of the book, isn't she? Yeah, definitely, Lou. Um, and I love that. Sarah just introduces here in cha- in this chapter that the many inter- um, intersecting biases and oppressions that, that can contribute to many many folks' experiences as a patient, mm. um, which is what we talk about a lot in menopause, is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, gaslighting by professionals. We've both been gaslighted by professionals, and I'm sure they had. I'm sure, every, I'm sure they every, didn't mean to, but I'm sure. But I'm sure everyone has at some. Yeah. Every woman has at some uh, point. Um, in their lives but I don't know whether you saw this this probably meant the same to you as it meant to me Lou she talks about sisterhood and how Mm. you know um through you know looking at writing this book she's you know realized the power of of sisterhood um Okay, so here on page eight, she says, too often women are left isolated, confused and disempowered by paternalistic doctor knows best Mm. attitudes that discount the knowledge and expertise they have about their bodies. Um, And that's, you know, that's so true. And this all stems from, as you said, Hippocrates. Yeah. Right. Right. right The way way back. back. Right. The way back. Um, Yeah, I just. Uh, and I love that in 2020, she launched the hashtag, didn't she? Shit, yes. my doctor says. Yeah. <laughs> and so much. Yeah. So much. The hysterical women, you know, the pain is all in your head. You're a woman. Deal with it. All of those. And we believed it all until we start talking to each other, which is this power yeah. of the sisterhood she yeah. talks about. And this Absolutely. is what's happening now, isn't it? And I, I, I really hope that after these 60 years of not really getting very far, I think we're all talking a lot more now amongst friendship groups and, you know, grassroots level. I think this is going to really, what is going to hopefully make the difference. And I think it's the subjects that we've been told are taboo, led to believe are taboo, um, that actually they're not taboo. They're our bodies and we need to talk about them. The more we talk about them, our daughters and, and their daughters, they will not have, hopefully, the, the struggles and they will be listened to. They will be heard. And they won't be embarrassed and shamed no. about their own 
body parts. No, not at um, all. She, Sarah makes the, the point that, uh, that the years of austerity that we've had, the last 12 mm. years of austerity and underfunding of N- our NHS, um, how it has a much bigger impact on women um, and those assigned female at birth um, because periods, um, contraception, you know, we have, let's face it, men don't really take charge of that. We are the ones that have yeah. to go about the pill and the coil, cervical screening, uh, pregnancy, birth, all these things we have to go regularly, whether we're well yeah. or not. Plus the fact it's mostly women, I think it's 70%, um, 77% uh, women that work in the NHS. So all this, these things are having a huge effect. Massive, um, massive effect. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I won't say it now, but when you uh, read it, she talks about her reasons for writing this book and she feels a strong sense of injustice. And I think, I think this is where the power of us women you know come what? from. We're Anger. starting to feel that. They're yeah. angry. She's angry. She's angry. Yeah. And I think, I think she's not menopausal. She's just had a lovely little baby. But, um, I think, gosh, come on, women, uh, men, menopause, you can, aff- you can get angry now. You can, yeah. you, can you know, you can do this thing. Um, uh, we've got one of our readers. We also, she's reading along, isn't she? We've got a few reading along, Ooh, which is lovely. Fantastic. But um, Aline, Aline, lovely listener, Aline Boblin has, um, on, I'm just dropping has, everything. Yes, has messaged us with, with her thoughts. So we're going to read those out, Lou, aren't we? Yep. So Aline says, um, these first two, she's read the first two well, chapters. She's ahead of us. She is. Left me quite speechless and very reflective on the breadth of how dismissive for centuries medicine has been of women and their health. Just that term hysteria sums Mm. up the approach to women's health issues and most importantly, the pain we endure. These problems are not real and it's all in our head. I know it's not a revelation, this gender bias view. It's shocking to read it put it in the it's shocking to read the detail in this book and acknowledging to myself how deeply rooted this is in a way I think feminism got it completely wrong it's not a fight for having the same as men so what we needed and still need is the recognition of our gender and sex differences so she says the current society and culture are at odds with the very seasonal nature of the world so the first two chapters took her back to Kate Codrington's Second, Second Spring. Spring. She's at another fab <coughs> choice of book. So thank you so much. And uh, considering Ellie. she said she was speechless, she actually knew quite a lot there, she didn't did. she? And a great thank comment. you, Aline. Yeah. So next, um, for the next week, we're going to read chapter two. Um, and it's, it's entitled, this will get your blood boiling. Some girls just have bad periods periods menstrual and hormonal health which I cannot wait to start yeah looking forward to that Lou Well, this is exciting, Lou. We're going to announce I'm our gripped. new feature. So for this series, the Food Collective has gone and it's made room for another feature, mm-hmm. which I'm going to tell you what it's called in a minute. Um, Lou got me, for one of my Christmas presents, a beautiful book called The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to uh, 2023 by Leah Dirt. Dirt. Sorry, I probably got that very wrong. Um, anyway, uh, this basically it reconnects with the seasons in Britain and Ireland. Um, with this, it's a month month to month guide to the world around us, including key dates, tide tables, 
garden tasks, sunrises and moon phases, zodiac folk songs. We might have a little folk Ooh. song at some point. Um, but in here, in here, she's she she does a um she's got a um bun of the month. So our new feature is going to be called Nice Buns. Nice buns, nice buns. Here's my nice buns. So good you could eat me up. Fantastic, you see? And the, and the, not only will you be able to hear us sing that beautiful jingle every week, um, well, not every week, every month, sorry. It's going to be a monthly got one. Then. I got carried away. You'll be able to get a recipe for a bun, a oh. super bun. We might need bigger buns. We might need bigger <laughs> buns for our nice buns. The first one is going to be called Swiss Three Kings Cake from my almanac. I'm going to make a, ver- um, a vegan verge. Um, I don't know whether you want to make some as Ooh, well, yeah. Lou, but we'll have the vegan version and the non-vegan version um, for our nice buns. W-I, Lou. W-I, gents. So I set you and I the task of um, dating ourselves, dating ourselves for five days. Um, you said you couldn't do it um, on uh, about the 27th because it was your 25th wedding anniversary. How did you get on? I didn't do it at all because I forgot. Well, there you go. There you go. That's a load of bollocks, isn't it? <laughs> I you can... had all the time in the world. <laughs> I'm crap. I completely <laughs> forgot. And it was only the start of this week. I thought, shit, what was the WI? I'll quickly make it. You... And then I realised I couldn't You didn't make have it. five days. I didn't have five days. So I am going to be doing that over, over the, the next, next week. week or so. Yeah. So if you'd like to do that, you can do that over the next week then. But it, basically, it's just dating yourself for five days. Do, do whatever you want. Well, I did do it, Lou. I know you did your homework. Yes, I did. Um, I almost didn't because I had every excuse not to. Um, had a pretty shite Christmas. Um, but I, I did do it. I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have a go. So I did it. So on the Thursday, um, <clears throat> my date with myself, um, I run a bath. You know, I hate baths. Oh my God, you got in a bath. Yes, I run a bath. I had candles <gasps> and... Um, I know what makes the difference. I, have you ever heard of the singer Laufey? No. Oh my gosh, that made me actually really enjoy a bath, and and just purely the What's a, a Laufey. Uh, Laufey, that's her name. Laufey. Laufey. She's her music is. Um, oh, music. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking you had another woman in the bath. Oh with you. no. Well, I did. It was Laufey, but not actually in <laughs> physical terms. Um, you no wonder you enjoyed your bath. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> But it was beautiful. And then Friday, mm. I walked to the beach. It was a horrible day, but I walked, had to walk with, to the beach with the dog anyway. And I stopped for a hot chocolate and sat in out of the wind outside. Um, Saturday, um, I always meditate anyway, but this time I had a sort of I lit a candle when I meditated um, and uh, and had a little um, shavasana, a little lay down um, as well as. Um, Sunday, I watched, a f- I thought I'm going to have a movie, movie day with date Ooh. with myself. 
And I watched a film called The Wonder. Have you ever seen that, Lou? With know. Florence Pugh. Um, and it's absolutely, I love it. I like Florence Pugh, oh, so I'm sure I love it. She her. is amazing. And she's a nurse um, in Ireland in about 1860-something. And it's, um, uh, we won't talk about it now, but it might be a, a story for another time because it's very thought-provoking. I had that with some candles on my own with a cuppa and some biscuits. Oh. Monday, I curled up with my book collective book and a cup of tea and I had the roaring fire I haven't got an open fire but I we've I've got a roaring fire on the tv on YouTube um so that was my five days and one of the things I've learned is I thought I did self-care quite well Mm because I'm you know yoga teacher sometimes we do post-care very well and not the actual pre and 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 like before it happens exactly because I thought I I was prioritizing uh, but actually as you say I didn't do the prep really I mean the preparation when you date yourself um, it's winter so I didn't want to and I I really as I said didn't have a very good Christmas so I didn't I couldn't face going to a coffee shop on my own or Mm. going for a meal on my own um and wintering like uh, Kate always says you want to hunker down and you can but I, I sort of looked at it, Lou, as I was doing it for someone else. Mm. So how I would, really, how would you how treat, would, treat yes, somebody else? Okay. How I would date, if I was going on a date with somebody else, lighting the candles, thinking, right, what music would they, would they really like, you yeah. know? And, and, and that's what I did. So I think, like you said, not, is the pre is really the preparation and Mm. proper prioritizing, not just thinking I can fit in a bit of self-care today. I made time. Yeah. And it's not something you might be able to do every day. I know that. But I am definitely going to do this at least once a week. I was going to say once a week would be definitely would be great, wouldn't yeah. it, as well? Um, you know, things I learned. I learned that I can make myself feel special um, and feel, feel great about myself. You don't need someone else to do it for you. Um, so many other things I learned that maybe we'll go into next week when you tell me you know how you got on I will do my homework I do your homework and anyone out there if you're struggling with anything it's so easy to put yourself last but if you imagine if you if you find self-care really difficult visualize you're going on a date and how would you treat that person if you really really like them right I should be doing that Mm. Jins are we going to do the quote as well? Have you you yes. got the quote for yes, us this we, week I, as well? I, it's all me now. It's, it's all, all about me. you. Um, well, the quote I got thinking with with the um, book Sarah's uh, Rebel Bodies that we're reading um, and the, the chapter that we're reading. The personal is not political. It, I was reminded of a, a book by feminist um, Gloria Steinem. Um, and it's called The Truth Will Set You Free, But First It Will Piss You Off. <laughs> and it's a brilliant book. It's thoughts on love, a life and rebellion. And it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful book. And so, But it reminded me of this. And I thought, where have I heard something like that before? And it was here in this chapter, which I'm trying to open without knocking my mic off. Um, the chapter is, is chapter two, and it's called Changing aging and the the quote that I'm going to read is the very first paragraph Um, so she says age should be personal not political but we're not quite there yet there is still an idea that women are valued mostly for reproduction and men should be older and in authority that's why youth in women may still be more valued than experience that is powerful. It is powerful, isn't it? Really? Explained so concise in one paragraph. Succinctly. Yeah. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Jins. So we hope you... What a week. What a week. It's nice to be back, Lou, oh, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Do you know, this is therapy for me. <laughs> and me. <laughs> Believe me. So we hope your tea's not gone cold and that you'll join us next Sunday for The Collective. We would love you to subscribe, favourite and review our podcast. It really helps us spread the word, so please do. So head over to our Instagram page as well, Womankind Collective, to leave any comments or DM us with your thoughts or watch us and our guests on our Womankind Collective YouTube channel. And lastly, you'll find all the links, the buns and the recipes and the guest details and our hashtag Where's My Clinic campaign, the petition from Menopause Clinic in Devon on the podcast show notes. And we'll also put on there our um, ESK um, code code for 10% off. Yeah, from the lovely Dr. Ginny. Yeah, fantastic. Right, I'm going to go and uh, find some snails now to make this uh, cough mixture for you next week. Fantastic, I can't wait. The vegan version. The vegan version. (laughs) (laughs) 